0: We are in Galatians chapter 2. We're going to start at verse 11. We're going to read through verse 21 of Galatians chapter 2. Last week, we began our series on genuine gospel by uh, rooting ourselves in the important truth that what is genuine matters. And I shared the both disheartening and comical story of our experience with a car that was not genuine. It not only impacted the ability of our ability to drive it, but it impacted the relationships that surrounded this vehicle. It impacted our level of trust within the community. When something isn't genuine, it matters. And Paul, in his letter to the Galatians, is getting down to the root of that as he writes to the church and as we listen in and hear those words for us, that what the genuine gospel is matters. Let's pray. Gracious God, as we open your word once more, we trust that you will continue to speak to us through it. We trust this because your Holy Spirit has spoken through your word for hundreds of years. And we trust that your spirit continues to speak through your word today. And that is our hope, that is our prayer, and that is our trust. In Christ's name, amen. On June 7th of this past summer, a number of us gathered uh, outside uh, uh, on the grass underneath that tree for summer circles. And the conversation that arose during summer circles surrounded Sabbath observance. Now, some of us, when we hear Sabbath observance, are thinking, what in the world is that? Well, really one way that we might think about it and probably called it as children was what were the Sunday rules? And so we shared some of the stories about uh, our upbringing, what we were allowed or not allowed to do. And we laughed about some of them. One person shared the story that uh, he could throw a baseball against the barn, but he couldn't play catch with anyone. We heard the story about uh, one church who couldn't believe the audacity of newly uh, settled immigrants who would ride their bikes to church on Sunday. You had to take the car. And we sort of laughed about that, we reflected on that, and we we recognized in our own hearts and in our own lives, there is this fine line, isn't there, between wanting to honor the Sabbath, honor Sundays, take seriously God's command to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, but also not become legalistic, not take what we believe to be true or the way that we practice it and say, Blanket statement, this has to be true for everybody else. Now this mentality or this practice that we refer to and talked about and laughed about and, and sort of played around with it during the, that summer circles conversation is sort of a lighthearted way of getting into what Paul is going to talk about in this text because Paul doesn't sort of playfully poke around at Sunday observance Sunday rules he comes after Peter Jesus' disciple for making the rules more important than they should be and we're going to be asked to reflect in our own hearts and in our own lives and with our own practices, where we might do that today. So if you have your Bible open or your booklet open, you can also follow up on the screen. We're in verse 11 of chapter two. When Cephas, Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, Peter used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he drew back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they weren't acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of all of them, you are a Jew and yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is justified, is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So We too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Of course not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing." This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. So keep your Bibles open or your booklets open because we're going to look at some of this because there's a, a number of things in this text that don't easily translate. Okay, so the Apostle Paul is stationed in Antioch. It's the first city where the early followers of Jesus Christ were called Christians. And so Paul is stationed there, or he's. Uh, And he's stationed there as part of a a church leader. And Paul comes from Jerusalem. So Jerusalem is the heart where the apostles are. It's where the sort of the big folks uh, in the early church resided. And so this would be uh, heralded. This would be announced as a really big deal. Because those who were really well respected in the church were coming to visit. And so their words were going to matter. Their words were going to mean a lot. And so Peter comes out. And what happens is that Peter eats with everybody. When Peter goes to the potluck, he puts a generous helping of barbecue pork on his plate, something he never would have done when he was a little boy Jew because Jews didn't eat pigs. He put bacon on his hamburger at the cookout. He even put an extra piece of bacon on his hamburger because he loves that extra crispy bacon. Can I get an amen? Okay, so Peter is, he's living like a Gentile. He's not going to the synagogue on Sunday to worship with the Jews. He's going to church on Sunday to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Christians worship on Sunday, not on the Sabbath. And so he, in his religious practices, he's not offering two doves when he goes to the synagogue. He is recognizing that in Christ Jesus, all of the old order of sacrifices have been taken care of. He no longer needs to do that. He no longer needs to follow the civil or the ceremonial law. He can wear polyester. He doesn't have to wear uh, only one kind of thread in his clothes. He can eat the bacon. He can do all of these things. All of those sacrificial laws have been fulfilled in Christ. All of those ceremonial laws, those blue laws as we might call them today, have been fulfilled in Christ. And so Peter Peter's living like the Gentiles, unapologetically. Now, depending on your translation, there's a a name that we meet in Galatians, and it's the name the Judaizers. Here they're called certain men from James, but the Judaizers said that in order to become a Christian, in order to be a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, you have to become a Jew first. So you need to, if you've never been circumcised, you need to be circumcised. You need to wear and bear the mark of your Jewish past. And it means that when you eat, you need to honor the old Jewish codes. You eat kosher pork and beans, no little piece of bacon fat. When you go to the synagogue, you worship on Saturday. You don't embrace a new Christianity, but you first become what we were in order that you might now embrace Christ. And because these people come from James, they come from Jerusalem, they come from the higher up, sort of the big wigs of the early Christian faith, when they show up, Peter is sort of caught in this place, isn't he? And we can understand this because we've all been here. When we're around a certain group of people, we maybe act a certain way. We let go of certain things. We highlight certain things and we don't hold certain things in, in value. And then when we're around other people, we're maybe a little more honoring or we're a little more aware of what they think. And so Peter is pulled. And notice what Paul does. It's it's actually quite profound. Verse 11, when Peter comes to Antioch, I oppose him to his face. And the sense here is not that Paul takes Peter to the side as we might say today, you know, just take them one-on-one, take them to the side, sort of like, you know, Peter, you're, you're, you're missing the mark here. But This is sort of at the potluck. Everybody's gone through the line. Peter has missed the pork sandwich. And so Paul stands up and says, Peter, you are a hypocrite. And you stand condemned. Now, this is quite a word. It's the word to damn, right? Peter stands damned, condemned, because he has traded in the heart of the gospel for something else. Now, what has he traded in? Well, the group who's come from James has said in order to be a Christian, in order to be in the faith, in order to be someone who follows after Jesus, someone who has saved, who will experience everlasting life, you need to become a Jew first. You need to act like a Jew. You need to follow the rules and if we go back to our initial start where we were talking about how do we follow the rules on Sundays, my guess is that if, as you think about that, your own family was aware of what other families practiced on Sunday. And we sort of went out of our way to make sure that if we were doing something that another family didn't like, they wouldn't know about it. Now, there's a sense where this might not be an attack at the heart of the gospel. But again, we can get the discomfort that surrounds this. Because there's something in that in saying that there are certain practices with which matter in order to be a follower of Jesus. There's certain things that you have to do and that you have to believe if you're going to be a Christian. There's something in that that my heart gets drawn to, right? I want to say, yes, believe in Jesus Christ and go to church and read your Bible daily and pray daily and give your tithes and offerings and don't watch bad movies and don't go to certain places. And we can all feel this. And there's something historically where to say all you have to do in order to be saved, all you have to do in order to be justified, like like Paul writes in Galatians, is to believe in faith. Where that gets called easy grace, easy grace. And there's something in our hearts that feels that tension. it feels this pull. Are we, as Paul writes, when we put our faith in Christ Jesus, verse 16, so that we might be justified by faith in Christ Jesus and not by the works of the law. That means no works at all. We don't bring our scorecard of attendance. We don't bring our scorecard of activities. We don't bring how many times we served as elder or deacon, how long we've been a member in good standing of this church or that church. We don't bring our scorecard of what activities we've refrained from. None of that gets put on the table at any time. And that also means it never gets put on the table for anyone else as well. Which again, if you're anything like me, there's something in my heart that says, yeah, but. Because when Peter adds, becoming a Jew, getting circumcised, not eating pork, to being a Christian, that becomes an additional item to faith. And if we translate that into our own day and age, we might wonder about certain things, certain practices, certain assumptions, certain things that we expect about Christians when they become Christians whether it's political affiliation, certain beliefs, certain ways of living things out, practices that used to be okay that are now not okay, and the struggle. And the reason that Paul opposes Peter to his face is that the way Peter is addressing them, the way that Peter is talking about them, is that they are fundamentally part of what it means to follow Jesus and not something that grows out of the overflow of wanting to love God with heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, this is the beginning of Galatians, and so we're going to get into some of the more, uh, in greater into the, some of the nuance here. But there's a challenge here for each one of us as we wonder about what we also put onto the gospel. For as Paul writes, his argument to Peter is basically this, God did not come to you and have fellowship with you based on your race, on your culture, and your ability to follow the rules. When God came to you, Peter, and exhibited his love to you, showed you his love, he did so because of his love for you, not because of anything else. And so then the reason you have fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ cannot be based on race or culture or on something that they've done. It can only be based on the love that God has for you in Christ Jesus. The way we relate to people is based on our being fellow image bearers of God, being called one and all as sinners in need of grace. That's the place we start. So while we laugh about some of our Sunday observance with our parents and our grandparents and maybe some of our own, it is worth asking, If someone brand new walked into this fellowship of believers, and it might be worth asking a repeated visitor sometime, what are the implicit and explicit expectations we have for them so that they can be saved? That would be kind of a challenging question. It would tell us about those things which we not just hold dear but probably hold even higher than we imagine them to be. We experience this when we go to another family and we join them for dinner. We watch their practice, we watch how they interact with each other, what do they read or not read, how do they interact, what do their homes look like? We, we understand what's important to them. And churches are no different. Our activity as Christians is no different. We'll close with this because I couldn't help but think of this story this past week. About two months ago, Bill Russell passed away we're not quite sure who Bill Russell is, he was a a player for the Boston Celtics. He won more NBA championships than any other player in the history of the National Basketball Association. And he was a black man who played in Boston. It was fascinating to hear about how he reflected on living in Boston. And what about his personhood was valued and held up by the people of Boston? He talked often about how he heard the phrase, just shut up and dribble. How he was told to go back to Africa. and how he was told not to bring his whole person, but to just play basketball and leave everything else to the side. Peter could have made the argument to Paul, I'm just eating with Jews and everything else is put to the side. But in the Christian faith, in the genuine heart of the gospel, we are whole people. And it's not that we can ever say to someone else, something about you needs to be set aside, your skin color, your Sunday observance, your voting record, That something must be changed in order for you to be part of the family of God. And so the question for us this week, it's the top question in our booklet, is who's opposed us to our faith? And if no one has, it might be worth wondering why. Why? because none of us are perfect. And who might we need to give permission to come to us and say, as you live out and practice the gospel in your life, you might need to consider and reorient your heart, your life, your practice around the genuine gospel. that, as Paul writes, I die to the law so that I might live for God. Let's pray. This is a challenging word for us. It's a difficult word because it sort of confronts us right to our face about what really, what we think matters most. Not just in terms of faith, but in terms of life, practice. And God, we want to confess that there have been times in our history as a church, as a denomination, as as individual people where we have highlighted certain practices and put them on par with what it means to be a Christian. We need your forgiveness for that. And God, we need help to be Regrounded in the heart of the gospel, and trust that those who are saved by grace and who are filled with the Holy Spirit will want to change because to be filled with Jesus Christ is to have a life remade, and a heart remade, and a mind. Remade. We don't need to put a behavioral set of practices in place. You, oh God, are capable of changing the heart. And so as a church, give us open eyes to see and to wonder about those things that we need to wrestle with. As individual people, help us to wonder about how we are inviting people in our own hearts, uh, in our own lives to push us in how we understand and practice the gospel. And in all of that, our prayer is that you would build us up into him who is the head, that is Christ. Christ so that we all together with the apostles, with the teachers, with the prophets, with the forefathers and mothers of old may be built into the temple of God to the praise and honor of his glorious name. We ask this all in the name of...